Hi FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 Hi FM. Well, good morning and welcome to Tech Talk right here on Hi FM. And it's been a short delay. Lots of things have happened, but this week tech has fully come back on stream. We've had announcements from Samsung, from Apple, from everybody. But one of the big news items that really has rattled the tech cage, to put it bluntly, is Arm. Arm is the company that no one really knows about. It's not something you can pick up and buy. They sell no products to the public. And yet, without Arm, None of us would be walking around with a smartphone in our pocket. Very few tablets would work. And a whole host of other devices. We're not just talking about um, phones. We're talking about anything that has a processor built in. So cars, planes, you name it. Arm has been pretty fundamental in the creation and the the manufacture. Well, not physical manufacture, but certainly in all the technology that goes into the creation of PCs and chips and you name it, ARM has had their little fingers, their little arms in that pie in a huge way. Now, they were essentially started as a British think tank in the computer space with RISC that's reduced instructions uh, uh, sets chips back in the day of the explosion of the microchip. And they've evolved to become the leading mobile chip chip designer across the GPU, which is the the video processor, and the CPU, which is the main brain, for, I would say, 98% of all mobile chips that exist in the market. So Qualcomm use risk cores, Samsung use risk cores, everybody uses uh, the cores and the, the, the instruction sets that are created by ARM. And ARM does not make any chips. All the other guys, like the Intels and the Qualcomms and the Samsungs and the Huawei's, make chips using the, the, and in, I'll get to that in one second. They make chips using the ARM instruction. Well, this week, NVIDIA, which is one of the other major players who also started life as a manufacturer of video cards and video GPUs and chips and anyone who's into gaming has heard of NVIDIA. So they made an offer to buy ARM from SoftBank, which is a Japanese company for $40 billion. And it is a huge, huge, huge deal because they have been moving um, into AI and all sorts of very advanced technologies. That's NVIDIA. I mean, they they make the chips that run all sorts of robots and, and little uh, bots that are working in industry and warehousing. They make the chip that runs the Tesla car, amongst others, Audi included. So there's a huge range of product that... Um, NVIDIA have been making very strongly into the machine learning, artificial intelligence space, and adding a company with the the technological depth of ARM to their little portfolio could create a, a tech juggernaut that literally shakes everybody's cage. Well, it's not going to be that simple, unfortunately. There are a lot of hurdles to, to get over, but Intel's, the Qualcomm's, Samsung's, everyone in the space are going to be affected. And the good or interesting, well, not good, the interesting news is that NVIDIA is an American company. And I'm sure China have got a lot to say because, again, 
at the moment, Huawei are not allowed to make or, or design or build these chips, but a lot of other Chinese companies have done so and are continuing to do so, and they're still a massively dominant force in the lower and even high end of smartphone manufacture. So the implications of this arm deal are absolutely remarkable. It's probably, well, it is certainly in the chip manufacturing space the biggest deal that's ever happened. And it has the potential of upending the way that all these chips are, are working and making. And as the, the head of NVIDIA said, he's trying to bring AI and advanced chips to absolutely everything. So whether it's your toothbrush, whether it's your vacuum cleaner, whether it's your fridge, whether it's your smartphone, doesn't matter, your television, they've all got chips in today. All of these chips are just going to get smarter, faster, and much better at, at processing data and reporting back to some unknown cloud in the sky. So big stuff happening in that space and lots of challenges yet to come before this deal happens. But it just shows that there's a massive consolidation with regard to the core elements of every piece of tech that you and I play with. And this is going to have a big, big impact. We're certainly getting smarter and smarter. And we'll be back straight after this. And I've got some more interesting news and gadgets and gizmos. Of course, Apple was you know, all over the show this week. So lots coming up. Stay tuned. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, welcome back. And the year-end tech explosion, despite all the havoc in that uh, COVID wrought upon the tech world and the supply chain world and just the general, the world in general, the good news with level one, perhaps more of us will be running around the world again sometime soon. But that's a, a discussion for a completely different show, and this is not the travel show. But technology is super mobile, and we are going to be seeing all sorts of new gizmos and gadgets and whatnot hitting the, the market very soon. Um, EFA in Berlin this year was quite bizarre. Uh, they ran it virtually for the most part, but they physically had 800 to 1,000 people at the show in massively socially distant spaces with a couple of exhibitors sh actually physically showing their wares. And it just really does take people to the point where you realize that it's fantastic to do everything through technology. It's absolutely amazing to be able to communicate the way we do, to Zoom call and Teams call and, and just generally connect to everybody else and do your work virtually. But it makes a huge difference when you're actually physically in the same space, touching and feeling and seeing all the latest gizmos and gadgets. And talking of that, two new massive consoles are coming to South Africa in the next two months, certainly by no, beginning of November. And that is the new Sony PlayStation 5 console. And they've launched, they said it will launch in November. They announced this yesterday. And it will be priced quite highly, I'm afraid. Uh, the days of the sub 10,000 Rand anything is pretty much gone. But the new PlayStation 5 will launch in South Africa at 11,999 <clears throat> 11, Rand. Call it 12,000 Rand. And 10,000 Rand, or just because marketing speak is very important to keep it below the magic 10 at 9999, 9,999 Rand for a version without a disk drive. So in other words, there'll be, you have to download everything and um, pretty much install it via the web, which 99% of us are doing anyway. I don't, unless you've got a massive collection of PlayStation games on disk that you own, it probably makes no sense to buy the version with a 
with a disk drive. But Microsoft's new Xbox console is also launching um, towards the year end, probably pretty much in the same time frame. And with a U.S. pricing or dollar pricing pretty much identical, we're probably looking at pretty much the same sort of prices for both of them. But the new games and the, the latest, you know, some you've got to choose which flavor you want. A lot of games are across both platforms, but each Microsoft and Sony have their own exclusives, which may or may not force you to buy whatever you want to buy. But stylistically, the Sony is completely different from previous generations. It looks a little bit like Star Warsy with some really interesting um, hand uh, controllers and a, certainly a very interesting looking basic unit. And they've announced a lineup of some amazing titles from Spider, Sp- you know, Spider-Man, Miles Morales from in-house studio, Insomniac Games in June, and a couple of others that are coming um, very soon. They're pretty, pretty much uh, aggressively betting on all the exclusives to really push the ecosystem. Again, a lot of those games do come out across both platforms pretty quickly. But if you're a Sony uh, PS gaming fan, I have been for many years, they certainly do make a super, super slick, very well-built and well-designed device that is incredibly powerful. The new processors in these devices are absolutely off the charts and create gaming experiences and reality, which has just got to be seen to be believed. I've seen some of the the early the early de- uh, devices, and I've seen some of the demos in this space from Sony, and I must tell you the reality and the speed and the power is pretty insane. It will be backward compatible with a back catalog of titles from the PlayStation 4. And that's, again, if you need a drive um, and you need, you've got all those games, it makes a lot of sense. But if you're going fully digital, you've got fiber at the home, you don't mind downloading a couple of gigabytes and terabytes of data in order to play, then the, the diskless version would be absolutely perfect for the most part. And a lot of the titles. Uh, I'm not uh, a big gamer anymore, unfortunately. Time, you know, got people to, kids to feed, businesses to run, certainly eats up a lot of your time with regard to gaming. But as a device, it's pretty slick. It's got all the, the necessary apps and you name it to, to become a, a top streaming device as well. So it has multiple uses and certainly has a, a place in your lounge. So if you're a PlayStation fan, or an Xbox fan, whichever. Both of them will be available in in the next six weeks at substantial increases in price, but they are a lot of computer, a lot of computing power, pretty amazing video power in, in a very compact. And I think I a lot of people, are, the, the jury's out, a lot of people think the, the PS5 looks particularly weird with its little wings and the sort of black central V-ish look, but I think it looks very futuristic in a sort of Star Wars-ish way, if you want to put it there. And uh, it's going to be a killer device, a big upgrade on the PlayStation 4. Huge, in fact. Pretty much blows the older generation gaming consoles away completely. And that's just the march of technology. So if you're looking forward to those, keep your eyes out. I'm sure there'll be a lot of launch specials, a lot of things that you you can get into. Now, another thing that's very interesting that's very relevant, unfortunately, right now, is Tesla has officially come to South Africa. And no, I'm afraid not Tesla cars, but the Tesla Powerwall, which is their power solution, is now available directly 
from the uh, Tesla website. You can go to tesla.com and just look for ENZA. It should take you there straight away and look for energy. And guess what? You can then actually decide on which power wall you want. Now, the benefit of a Tesla power wall is, is multiple. One that's not that cheap, apparently the pricing, well, not apparently, if you go to the website, the price is around about 166,800 rand for one power wall, and you can have multiples, which are really useful. But in the current situation that we're in in South Africa, it may make a lot of sense, and in the context of of a, a, an average home, 166,000 rand for a complete power solution, which kicks in automatically um, when you're working or the power goes off, does make a lot of sense. And in fact, what's what's quite key, and a lot of people think that, you know, these inverter battery-based systems are only designed to work with solar power or any power. That's not actually the case. What you can do with a Tesla Powerwall is, one, you can run it. Well, this is just an interesting technical fact. Most batteries hate being discharged completely. It tends to reduce their operating life and tends to make them, you know, get old fast. Well, the batteries in the power wall, the Tesla batteries, can take complete discharges as many times as you want and still bounce back and keep going. The other benefit of this, and again, a lot of the inverter-based platforms can work this way, but Tesla make it super slick and super easy, is that you can actually charge it from your ESCOM power. So if you want to just install a power wall or two, for that matter, depending on the size of your house, and these are about 5 kVA, which is the size of a moderate generator and should be able to run everything except your geezer for for the most, for the average home. You can charge it when there's ESCOM power. It'll then automatically kick in and give you power when there is no power. And or you can connect it up to a solar system, which will then charge it directly for a, a lot less than paying ESCOM for the pleasure. So I think it's 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 an interesting step and it just makes a lot of sense Tesla also have announced that they actually have solutions for corporates. So if you need up to one gigawatt hour power plant for a big company or something, they can actually deploy that in less than three months. And that probably includes um, the the solar charging portion of it. So a lot, a lot of um, change coming from that space. And quite honestly, from a technology point of view, becoming far more independent of the sort of back-end power platforms that exist across the world and certainly in South Africa is no bad thing. More and more and the sort of pricing that's involved with these type of platforms. I've looked at similar 5 kilowatt uh, inverter based platforms in South Africa at around about 70 to 80,000 rands. The Tesla does come at a premium but I think the quality and the understandable uh, benefit of having a fully integrated setup from Tesla does add a little bit of value. So Check it out. Go to their website and order your power to stay off the grid. And on that note, we've got a quick break. And I'm coming back with all things Apple. Hashtag you don't have to be Jewish. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Welcome back. And we're talking Tech Talk Cafe here. And no guest today, unfortunately. I will be definitely bringing a lot more interesting people to the show over the next couple of months. But this was Time Flies event. Apple's Time Flies event was, went out on Tuesday afternoon. And there were a couple of interesting things coming from this. The first and foremost 
is that they did not announce the new Apple iPhone yet. I was a little surprised at that. I thought perhaps they'd announce it now and delay the and delay the actual supply because of what's happening with COVID. But in terms of what I've heard, and I mean that obviously Apple keep it very close to their chest, but um, the event's been delayed to potentially early October for the brand new iPhone 12s, and the rumors abound about what they'll be and what they won't be. But the one thing that we can all confirm, and it's an absolute uh, shoe-in that's going to happen, is that all the new iPhones, with the exception of one or two special models, which are aimed at the lower end of the market, will be 5G ready, good or bad. Lots of nonsense all over the world about how 5G is creating havoc, and the simple fact is it's just simply a new version of 4G, if 4G didn't hurt you, 5G certainly won't. But that's a discussion, again, that we've had over the last few months and something we'll talk about a little bit later. But the the event did launch a couple of really, really interesting new products. The first and most important one was the new uh, the new Watch Series 6. Now, not only did they launch the Watch Series 6, but they launched a Watch Series SE, which is essentially the old 5 slightly updated and slightly tweaked and the prices dropped. What right from the get go, which is really interesting, is there are going to be three versions of the Apple Watch on sale. They will be coming to South Africa from what I've what I've heard in the next couple of weeks. It shouldn't be too long before they hit the shelves. They're going on sale in Europe and America this week. So they will be available in South Africa pretty soon. And the question will always be do I upgrade? What do I do? I've got an old version of the watch. What is the story? Well, let's talk about the flagship. Series 6 brings a couple of really interesting new tech features to the watch. One, it has a far, far more powerful um, S6 chip, which um, basically has the same dual-core processor, which is very similar to the iPhone 11 processor. So it's going to be a lot faster, a lot more powerful. And not that I'm on a Series 4 or 5, not that I've noticed any real slowdown, but it does, you know, speed is something that is an absolute wonder. But what they've done is enhance the the uh, sensor array at the back of the phone to include something that I believe is really, really useful. And they have the ability to measure blood oxygen levels. So your CO2 levels and your oxygen levels in your blood um, using simply a combination of light, red and infrared light. So... Very, very, very clever. Now, the only other guys that are doing something similar to that right now is Fitbit. But Fitbit can only do it when you're sleeping. With a new uh, Series 6 Apple Watch, you can do it at any time you've got 15 seconds. It can read it when you're running, when, you, when you're exercising. It can give you an amazing an, an amount or a blood oxygen level pretty accurately. And they've done some tests that show it's almost as accurate as a, as any other sensor out there. So they're promising 20% faster performance. The blood oxygen level um, sensor is built in. There's also a new sensor, the always-on altimeter, which is great for exercise. And more and more it's clear that Apple Watch is focused considerably more on, on sport and activity. And this new altimeter is now accurate down to basically a foot 12 around about 10, 12 centimeters. That's how accurate it is. And it also has the same ultra-wideband chip that came in the iPhone 11 
for for all sorts of connecting and and working. So they've really upped the tech internally. The look and the feel is pretty much the same. It also now comes in a lot of interesting colors. So you've got the normal gray, the silver, the gold, but they've brought out which looks like a super cool blue aluminium finish and a new product red finish, as well as a whole host of straps and everything else. But where the magic of the new Apple Watch is coming is in, in conjunction with the new iOS 14 software. And sorry to jump away from the announcement, but iOS 14, well, this was part of the announcement, iOS 14 and all the new operating systems for Apple are actually live today. So you can get them, in fact, from last night they were live. So your phone is probably prompting you, your watch is probably prompting you, every Apple device that you own is probably prompting you to update. The simple fact is I've been using iOS 14 beta for a couple of weeks. I've been going through the whole process, updating, and it's incredibly stable, incredibly useful. The improvements are something I'm not going to talk about today, but the improvements, the, there's a huge improvement in the sleep functionality, which is another factor of the watch, which can now remind you in the morning to charge it after you've worn it all night because battery life is still a bit of a challenge. The new Series 6 battery is pretty much the same as Series 5 with an always-on display. The SE does not have the always-on display, which is quite interesting, but at a much lower price and doesn't bother me that much. They're pretty good when you lift your wrist to see. But the Series 6 has a much brighter always-on display, no hit on battery life, so you still get around about two days. One other cool feature that is being included, and this is software-driven, and you need a phone with LTE or mobile connectivity built in, you can, it debuts a new feature called Family Setup. So what it does, it allows parents or whoever to set up managed Apple Watches for people who don't have iPhones. Now, as long as that phone has connectivity and it's been set up through a master iPhone, if you want to call it, you will then get location alerts, no disturb modes, a whole new watch interface that informs teachers, this is for kids, that the watch is in a do not disturb mode from a glance. And it unfortunately will link right now only um, uh, Vodacom allow eSIM on an Apple Watch for the moment. MTN are coming quite soon. But this will allow you to set up a watch for all your kids, for family members, for Android users, and it becomes a fully functional watch. The watch, once it's set up and it has connectivity through a mobile plan or Wi-Fi, will be able to stream, will be able to download apps, will be able to operate almost entirely independently of the phone that set it up and get all the benefits of um, the health tracking and whatever. The other huge, huge announcement, and it focuses around Apple Watch again, is that Apple is debuting a new service called Fitness Plus. This is now a subscription service, and more about that because there's a new subscription bundle service called Apple One, which may or may not come to South Africa immediately, but certainly I believe it will be available in South Africa fairly soon. My my thoughts, they didn't disclose it at the launch. But essentially, Fitness Plus is a new subscription service for virtual workouts and much improved fitness tracking features. They've really put a lot of thought into the whole wellness and fitness space, and it is quite unbelievable what they're promising. They're going to be a whole host of top um, trainers giving information advice. The amount of info that's been shown on the screen has been reorganized. It's a lot more coherent, a lot more 
direct. You don't need your phone with you all the time, which is great for running and exercising where you can't have a phone on you. Sometimes it's a real pain. A lot of apps will run direct, and in fact, it will run directly on your, on your watch. So you can go to gym, do what you need to do, update all the service. But, um, at $10 a month, that's quite expensive. It's going to be $79.99 a year. So you get a little bit of a discount if you pay for it for a year, which is around about 15, 1600 Rand for a service. Though I've been using a, um, a mobile based gym app and I must say it's a lot cheaper than a personal trainer. It certainly drives you in a very similar way. It also links directly to Apple Music. So when you're training, it'll automatically give you playlists. You don't have to have the Apple Music uh, subscription, but it also links to the Fitness Plus with a whole lot of playlists, a lot of motivation. It covers everything from running to swimming to gym to cross-country, you name it. There are a number of – I haven't really spent much time playing with it because it's not available as yet, just going on what's uh, what's out there. It will be available towards the end of the year. And um, it, it really adds a whole nother level of utility to the watch. And in many ways, the Apple Watch has been the leading, the leading, um, the leading watch on the market for many, many years. And these services are what differentiates it from anything else. Here's an interesting thing. And I mean, there's been a lot of rumors about the next generation of cell phones is not going to have a charger in the box. Well, it's begun. The new Apple Watches, um, will not come with a charger. It'll come with a cable, but no charger in the box. And um, there will be no USB power adapter in any of the Series 6 or Series 6 SE watches. Now, as I said earlier, the Series 3 will continue to be sold at a much lower price. The SE will effectively come in somewhere in between, between the Series 6 and the Series 3. And they've renamed it the SE, but it essentially is the technology from the Series 5 from last year without an always-on display. And most well, the software is identical, so it'll do most of the things that the Series 6 does. It does not have the blood oxygen feature because the sensor array in the back of the phone or the back of the watch will be exactly the same as the Series 5. But I think at the pricing, we're talking in the U.S., the Series 6 starts at round about $400, so it's going to be, for the 40 millimeter model, it's going to sell in South Africa, obviously just over 10,000 Rand in the 44th. The 44 millimeter model will be close to 13, 14 grand, and the cellular models will start closer to 17 to 20 grand. So they're not going to be inexpensive uh, watches, but they are a significant, significant um, upgrade on the current generation. And I think Apple have done uh, an incredible, from what I can see, we'll play with them as soon as I can get my hands on one, but they've done an incredible job of taking it to the next level with regard to um, how and what the watches do around sport and everything to do with tracking and health and everything to do with that. It's the new straps look super cool. But what, stay tuned. They will be out in South Africa very, very soon. The next big announcement was a new iPad. They've refreshed pretty much the entire iPad range, except for the iPad Pro, Pro range, which um, definitely definitely um, was refreshed a little earlier this year. But there's the big news for me 
is that the current iPad Air range or the current iPad standard range has simply got a brand new A14 processor, which is without question a business. This is the same processor that's coming to the new uh, iPhone 12, but the, the, the 14 processor is a significant jump on the processor that was in last year's generation. And for the iPad, the normal iPad, where they brought it in at a lower price using a great processor, still got Apple Pencil design or uh, Apple Pencil ability, but the design remains pretty much the same with the, the same large bezels, the same rounded case, and the touch sense on the front. Well, the big news, and I think this is something that's going to be quite a big seller, is they brought out a new iPad Air that looks a lot like the iPad Pro, and for the most part, it actually is as functional as an as a, an iPad Pro. So it has the same square, flat design as the iPad Pro. There is no button on the front, so the bezels have been shrunk right down, so it's almost edge-to-edge screen. What they've done is they've moved the sensor, the fingerprint sensor, to the on-off button on the top, which is quite cool. So there's no um, video sensor like in the, the Pro design. They've switched to USB-C, which is quite a big deal. But what they've done, obviously using the A14 Bionic chip, which is based on 5 nanometer, that's real techy stuff, but certainly one of the most advanced processors on the market. And they've improved the cameras on the iPad uh, Air a lot. Not quite the same array that you get in the iPad Pro. But if you're not interested in um, a LiDAR sensor and more advanced cameras, as well as the uh, front-facing cameras being slightly better, then the iPad Air, which will come in at about 30 to 40% cheaper than the iPad Pro. It's a 10.9-inch liquid retina display with very high resolution. The Touch ID button, as I said, has now been moved to the top. And um, the rear 12-megapixel camera is the same one as the iPad Pro. And has and what they noted, it has enhanced video stabilization. And um, the lightning port has been replaced. So this looks like a killer, killer tablet. So if you're interested in a replacement for your current iPad and you want, and you're not prepared to quite shell out what it costs for an iPad Pro, though the devil is always in the details, then the new iPad Air is absolutely the coolest, latest, and looks like the best value iPad on the market. It comes also in a range of really interesting colors, sky blue, green, silver, gray, rose gold. And starting in the US at around about 599, will be available sometime in early November, probably towards the middle to the end of November in South Africa. But that translates into 10 to 12,000 Rand range, but obviously that's entry level depending on memory. Um, and as you step up the memory, it gets more and more expensive, but it'll probably be in the 15,000 Rand range for a, a, one, a 256 gig memory version, which is again, significantly cheaper than an iPad Pro with vast majority of the the functionality of the iPad Pro. Where it starts getting expensive is when you start adding the accessories, like the pencil. The new iPad Pro will use the new pencil, not the older one that the old version used to use, which is a much better pencil. It feels better. There's greater features. Battery life is better, which is great. It also works very well with the Apple Magic Keyboard Stand, and that just is so futuristic. It's expensive. Um, 
It's a $300 purchase to get the trackpad, keypad, and the little mount, but it clicks on magnetically. It lifts your iPad Pro up in the air and can, for the most part, be almost a um, replacement for a computer. Not In some cases, it actually makes more sense to buy an iPad, um, not an iPad, a MacBook Pro or a MacBook Air, but for the those of you who really want a tablet with all the benefits that come with something that's that portable and that powerful, um, then this is an excellent, excellent way to go. So if you're looking for a new iPad, the new iPad Air may be just the one that takes you or forces you, absolutely forces you to upgrade. And on that note, I've got more to talk about. Uh, I forgot to talk about the One Bundle, which is coming to South Africa, I've just read, will be here sometime towards the end of the year. And basically, it bundles all the Apple services into one package at roundabout between 30 and 50% discount. So if you already pay for um, Apple TV, which very few people do because it, come, it came free with, with devices up to now, but you pay for memory up to two terabytes of storage, um, you pay for any of the other services from Apple, and you're going to maybe even consider joining their, their uh, activity, their health service, which is $9.99 in and of itself. You can get the entire bundle right now in the U.S. for $29 for everything. So about a 40 50% discount between buying them all individually and putting them together. I think that's pretty smart. A lot of people, certainly the music guys, have raised a little uh, flag saying it's anti-competitive because that includes Apple Music as well. But the... The one bundle from Apple makes a lot of sense, and with services growing and actually making what the whole experience much more, I wouldn't say relevant, but certainly a lot better once you've got all these services automatically and seamlessly working, and you only have to pay between 20 and $30 a month. It's not going to be cheap in South African terms, but then again, unfortunately, this seems to be the trend Everybody's selling services. And on that note, we have to break for our sponsors. I'll be back with a little bit more Apple news and some other cool gizmos and gadgets straight after this. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 High FM. Well, as always, welcome back. And, oh, accidentally making phone calls while I sit here and work at my desk. Um Time flies when you're talking tech, and, and and the Apple announcement was an hour and a half of interesting stuff. So I'm trying to summarize it all very quickly. But essentially, the Apple One subscription comes in three different bundles. The cheapest bundle is selling at $14.95 in the U.S. and includes Apple Music, Apple TV+, Plus, Apple Arcade, which might be great. I've played with it, uh, and there's some really good games in that, and 50 gigs of iCloud storage, which is about a 20% discount in buying all of them separately. Then they've got a family plan, which adds 200 gigs of iCloud storage for 19.95, which is pretty good value. And all of these can be shared with up to six people, which, well, the family plan can. Obviously, the individual plan can't, but the family plan can be shared with up to six people. And that gives them all access to the various things, the music, TV+, Apple Arcade, and the shared storage. And their premier bundle, which includes Apple News Plus, which is not available in South Africa. This is a big thing. Fitness Plus, which should be available in South Africa. Two terabytes of iCloud storage. And that can also be shared up to six people for $29.95 a month. Now, $30 is essentially 600 Rand a month, which sounds pretty expensive. 
But when you work out that a personal trainer is 350 to 400 rand a session and uh, you need a couple of those a week, it starts adding up really fast. And when you start adding your subscription to music, we'll see what the rand pricing will be. It'll probably be a lot more um, reasonable in South African rand terms because, number one, you can't get News Plus. So probably you'll get a premier bundle in the three to 400 rand range, which is still pretty reasonable. The other big thing is that iOS 14, iPad OS 14, Watch OS 7, and TV OS 14 um, will be a, will be available now. It's available, launched last night. It's available now. Your phones will be, and your various devices will be prompting you to update. And if it's not, you just do a search um, in, in, in settings general, search for the update, and it'll be there. And as I said, I've been using most of these OSs in beta format for the last couple of weeks. And I must say, the last betas have been super stable, very, very few funnies. There's nothing that I've seen that um, creates a problem. So updating is a no-brainer. Do it not on cellular. Definitely do it on Wi-Fi. They are big, 4.8 gigs on an iPhone 11. So go for it. I would suggest everyone updates as soon as possible. There's some really really cool refinements. One of the coolest ones is they're now widgets. You can actually have weather widgets, app widgets, whatever you want on your screen. Very much the Android people will point out, oh, we've been having that for years. But it's not been available for Apple. It's now pretty useful. I've got a weather widget. I've got my diary on my front screen at a glance. You can interact with it. It's brilliant. It also organizes your icons like me. I've got hundreds of apps. Some people have pages and pages and pages. It organizes them in a much more logical fashion. You can hide all those 300 extra pages. It's just, it's very fast, it's very smooth, and it's an excellent, excellent operating system. iOS 14 is a big, big jump. As I said, the health features, the sleep features, and a lot of refinement to the various apps is all very, very welcome. So don't hesitate, don't delay, update your various devices now, and enjoy some of the latest benefits and bits and pieces that uh, Apple have to to show, and the iPhone 12 launch will be sometime in the next month, and who knows when those will come to South Africa, but pretty much straight after the launch, I would imagine. But it's very interesting to think that COVID affected something as big as Apple with regard to their launch and what's going on. Now, moving on to another big thing for me, and I've always been a huge Sony TV fan. I've been a Sony fan for years. I mean, our first... TV in the house was a Sony. Sony always had the high end with their their various products and everything. Well, the good news is that finally Sony TVs they've been launched are back in South Africa. Sony has been um, available with audio, their headphones, their cameras over the last couple of years. But after, a couple of years ago, Sony pulled out. It was a sad day, um, and it, it reduced the competition. Well, now Samsung and LG, who are the two premier brands in television on the market, have got a little bit of competition. And if you read, and I've been playing with the 65-inch OLED for the last couple of weeks, the A8H, um, if you, and I can, I can agree with a lot of the reviews in the market, their Sony televisions have always been, for me, a class-leading product. They're based on the OLED range. They're definitely based on the LG screen, but they buy a version which puts the speakers in the screen, which is really cool. There are no speakers that you can see anywhere. The sound comes from the screen itself. 
and in fact tracks the voice. So when people walk across the screen, the, the sound follows the person, and it's actually very cool. It's a bit subtle in some cases, and in other cases it's very cool. You can hear two people speaking, and the sound is actually coming from the people on a big screen. But more than that, the magic is not in the panel. The magic's in the processing, and, and Sony have done an amazing job using their new alpha chips to create probably the best picture on a television that I've seen anywhere. Um, certainly my choice if you're, if you absolutely want the best picture, but the new lineup that they're bringing to South Africa and will, these will be available pretty much across all the major dealers in the next couple of weeks are the, um, a combination of a couple of OLEDs which are the premium models, the Sony A8H 65-inch OLED, which is going to sell for around about 65,000 Rand. Not cheap, but certainly uh, competitive, slightly more than the LG and the Samsungs, but Sony have always been slightly more expensive. And then on the the LED range, they're bringing in the 75-inch 4K TV, which will be quite that range, the X75H range, um, comes in a whole lot of different sizes, 55, 65, and 75 inch, and they'll be a lot more reasonably priced from 13 grand to 20 grand for the 65 inch. And then the X80 range, which is a step up with, and the main, the main benefit of the X80 range is that the local dimming, and that's the ability to switch off the bright areas of an LCD. I'm not getting into the difference between LCD and OLED. OLED's an emissive technology. That means every dot on the screen is self-powered. So the blacks are absolutely black. When it's off, it's off. It has, without doubt, the best contrast and the best quality of black that you can get on a television in the market currently. LCDs have something called a black, a backlight. So they shine light and switch the LCD crystal off to block the light, which never works 100%, so you don't get absolute blacks. You get a slightly gray, slightly washed-out thing. The way that they get around that is to use something called local dimming. In other words, they can switch off areas of LEDs, and the more advanced TVs have more areas or more lights at the back. And the X80 series has tons and tons of, and the X90 series has almost got as many lights as they do LCDs, and you get much better blacks, but of course the price goes up. So the X75 series is pretty reasonable and very high quality. The X80 series takes it to the next level, which gives you a little bit more. They're all smart TVs. They're all Dolby Atmos compatible, so you've got pretty good sound. And they're available in a range from 65 inch, from 55 inches all the way up to 85 inches. So the X80 comes in an 85 inch for 54 grand, which is not it's expensive, but not absolutely off the charts. And the X90 series with the full uh, LED lighting dimming at the back, which gives the best contrast. And I've seen these TVs for LCDs. They are pretty, pretty remarkable. And um, that sells for 50 grand for a 75 inch, which is pretty reasonable, but not terribly inexpensive. But I'm very chuffed that Sony has come back to South Africa. I think their quality of TVs is pretty spectacular. They have the full service, the full support. Uh, you should be able to see them. So, you know, you pick your poison. I'm still a huge fan of LG TVs. Own a couple of them. They are the LG OLEDs are spectacular, and the LCDs are also really good. The Samsung, the Samsung TVs are also fantastic TVs. But it's always good to have more choice. 
and Sony have always been globally a large competitor with really high-end and very good quality. The only thing that I'm not particularly sold on, and this could sway you completely, is that all these TVs run Android TV as their operating system. And unfortunately, for the most part, it's not a very good-looking one uh, set up. It's a bit flaky. Every now and then I had to reboot my TV to get it to work properly, which is so bizarre. The way it updates is not entirely transparent, whereas the operating systems that are included in the Samsung and the LG TVs um, are far superior. They're really easy to use. They, they, they just have all the necessary functionality. Here you have to log in with your Android um, username and then you get all the options of Android. It also, unlike the Sony, unlike the LG and the, the Samsung, does not have a full Apple TV app yet. Perhaps it'll come, but can't see that happening too easily because it's an Android TV. Why would an Apple TV app be on an Android TV? So we'll get there, but who knows? You know, so many different things happening, so many strange things in this space. So if you're looking for a top Sony TV, they're now available. You can buy them pretty much anywhere. You can check them out. Incredible Connection. A couple of other guys have got it. And um, let's see where this all goes. The war is on and some good quality TVs are back in South Africa. Couldn't couldn't have asked for more, especially in these crazy times when we spend a ton of time at home. Now, before we uh, get into the last little bit of the show, we've got a quick break for our sponsors. And then I'm just going to wrap up with a little rant about the digital uh, migration thing that may or may not be happening in South Africa. Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is Tech Talk with Stephen Ambrose on 101.9 Hi FM. Well, welcome back. And as I said, just a little rant. Digital television was supposed to take over the world in 2015, and that was the cutoff date where all analog transmission of television should have stopped. Well, in South Africa, that patently hasn't happened. We still have analog television, and the Department of Communication has been going on and on about this since 2011, 2009, in fact, and they've still not got there. The downsides to not going digital television is, one, the choice and the amount of television channels is hugely limited. Number two, the modern television devices that come out today are all digital in, in its core, and it adds a costly analog receiver to televisions that really shouldn't have them anymore. In fact, the versions you buy of televisions overseas, all the new LCDs and the Sonys we're talking about, all have full digital rece terrestrial receivers built in rather than um, than analog stuff. And unfortunately, the other side effect is that the spectrum, the, 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 the radio spectrum that analog television is, is, is broadcast in is being used globally to bring down the cost of data, to increase the speed of mobile data. And most mobile companies have spent a lot of money and a lot of effort globally to use that spectrum to good effect to bring better services to people. Well, South Africa is always moaning about the cost of data. Part of the cost of data is the lack of spectrum. Part of the lack of spectrum is that we're still broadcasting television in all the wrong places and all the wrong times. Well, um, Duncan McLeod from website Tech Central interviewed the director, the acting director general, Nom Fiuso Bati, uh, on Monday, and she remarked that 
broadcasting digital migration won't happen before 2022, if not later, which is just a huge, huge, huge thing. They've missed every deadline as if they didn't exist. And no set-top boxes have been installed for an age. They've got nearly a million set-top boxes sitting in warehouses that they've paid for using our money. Um, and guess what? They're not going out. People are not migrating. Nothing's happening. And at the same time, this is where it gets super funny, is that satellite TV has been growing. People are using digital satellite TV across pretty much all of the continent and the country. And as broadband and streaming is becoming more and more relevant, maybe not in the entire market, but certainly in the higher end market, those that spend money generally on, on, on entertainment and televisions and the rest. Streaming has become the base use of television. So by the time 2022 rolls around or 2023 rolls around, the need for digital television may be actually zero. So watch the space. I'm going to bring you a lot more about this because I think it's a huge problem, something that we've got to deal with in South Africa very soon. Until then, this is Stephen Ambrose on Tech Talk right here on High FM where you always hear the latest and the greatest to do with technology. Till next week, we'll chat soon. Want to get behind-the-scenes photos? See what happens in studio. Miss the documentary. History will not give the Jewish people another chance. Benjamin Netanyahu at war. Follow High FM on Facebook and Twitter, where we post the links just for you.